Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, put out into the deep water and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have not caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. As our children return to their seats, let us return to prayer together. Holy God, help us to listen as well as the children do to your story, uh, to what it has to teach and show us, that we may heed its call and more deeply heed your call. May the words of my mouth, O God, and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to just begin this morning by confessing, sharing how much I delight and love the story that we have spent some time with already this morning. There's so much to this story. There are so many vantage points, the crowds at the edge of the lake, the disciples on the boat, Jesus himself, and then the unnamed, unyet seen people to whom the disciples will be sent after they so bravely express their desire to go and catch them. In this text, we have so many textured layers of obedience from Simon's initial, sure, Jesus, if you say so, to his later, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, to his ultimate and their ultimate willingness to depart completely from the past in pursuit of the people who will share in God's future. I love in this story how Christ's evocative invitation leads the disciples to put out, to leave the shallow waters and go to the deep where the laying down of nets will bring them to a catch beyond their imagination. I love in this story the juxtaposition between human failure and fear and Christ's calm assurance where he says, be not afraid. An assurance that leads his hearers to embrace his claim on their lives in service of the lives of others. 
Ironically, Casey invited me to not preach this sermon, which you may have shared that invitation after you've heard it. And it's entitled, uh, Two Sermons in One. And the reason why I gave it that title is because in a few weeks, uh, a number of, well, five of us exactly, are going to Kenya to visit the United Orphanage and Academy in Moyes Bridge. Uh, And during that time, we will be in worship, and I will be asked to share a word of the Lord. And I thought, aha, this passage is so wonderful. I'm going to preach a sermon at Westminster on this text, and then preach it there in Kenya. Thus, two sermons in one. But the multifaceted nature of this text could lead us today to ten sermons in one, five sermons in one. I actually, though, would just want us to leave with just one sermon. A pretty simple message, actually, but one that I think we need to hear, especially in light of everything that is happening around us. If there is one thing that I want us to occupy our attention this morning, it is not so much what there is to say, but how we are to listen. For listening, listening is the launching point of this text. Luke begins this story by saying, Once when Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, And the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of the Lord. Jesus saw two boats by the shore where he was standing. Comma. The story goes on from there. Fittingly, the very first detail of this story comes in the form of a dependent clause. That is, everything that happens in this story emerges out of, it depends upon that first essence which is the listening crowd. Without that crowd listening, Jesus would have had no need for the boat. Without the listening, there would have been no fishermen to encounter, no invitation to go deep, no casting down of the nets and making a catch for people. That listening crowd on the edge of their seats, or at least more literally on the edge of the lake, were eager to hear. And that eagerness gives this story its forward thrust. If we proceed forward a little bit more into Luke, that one chapter, Jesus tells the disciples to pay attention to how you listen. Pay attention to how you listen. Listening in All of the Gospels, including Luke, is of the utmost importance to Jesus. Many times he says to the people around him, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen, listen, he would say again and again. So in this one simple sermon, we have an urgent invitation to consider, to pay attention to how we are listening to God's voice. That attentiveness is the dependent clause of our story with God. If our task as the church is to participate in the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth, perhaps we need not aim for some heroic 
and decisive departure from everything we have known in order to follow Jesus. In other words, perhaps we do not need to rush to the end of this story and what the disciples did and what they left behind. And perhaps we just need to situate ourselves at the beginning of the story in the crowd that is eager to listen to what is truly important to hear. A picture comes to mind if you've ever been to a baseball game, uh, maybe a Wizards game, something where there's an entertainment moment during a break in the action. And oftentimes, a gathering of cheerleaders, maybe the mascot, we love our mascots, maybe the mascot, uh, the cheerleaders have a, a, a bag full of rolled up t-shirts. You've been to that moment? You've had that moment? And it's as though the crowd suddenly wakes up, whoa, free t-shirts. And everybody stands up and leans out and waves their arms and strains forward, just hoping that maybe they'll be the lucky one to catch that free t-shirt. It's as though the words on that t-shirt were inscribed with gold itself. Maybe that's how earnestly and eagerly the crowd at the lake yearned to hear what Jesus had to say. They yearned to hear something that was not just a trinket, but the very voice of God, worth more than any gold they could have. Too easily, I'm afraid, we join the crowds that clamor for trinkets that seem worthy of our desire, but end up not being worthy of our listening. When instead we could be straining to hear that small, still voice that is so precious, that is the voice of God inviting us into the deeper waters to attend to the deeper life. In Whitney's candidating sermon, she preached about the prophet Samuel, who as a young boy kept hearing a voice. And Samuel's response was, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That eager listening led him to a life of a prophet. As people of God, we are to have that kind of eagerness. But we do not need to manufacture it. In fact, as this story shows, true listening is more a gift than an achievement. We hear because we are enabled to hear. Let's see how this happens in the text. It happens first by the element of surprise. We listen better when we come into contact with that which we did not expect. When an actor does or acts in a way contrary to the reality that we have known. Jesus is the actor in that story. And he is the actor in our lives. He stands initially among the crowds in the story and then suddenly he's not. He's in the boat. And it's not his own boat, it's Simon's. He didn't ask for Simon's permission to get into this boat. He just showed up. But it wasn't a hijacking either. It wasn't a, listen to me, listen to me, I am the captain now type situation. It was an invitation. An invitation to let go of predictable patterns and fixed outcomes of our own making. To step as casting crowns would sing 
into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. We have to be open to the possibility that in God there is a new creation. That God is in the, shall I say, business of doing a new thing. That we could be a part of if only we would notice and be willing to perceive it. Listen to what Simon said when Jesus invited him to go back out into the deep waters where they had spent the night before. He said, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon is willing to hear the possibility of something different, to listen to the voice of new possibilities made, form, made known in old familiar forms. Simon listened partly because of the surprise, but also because he needed the help. We listen, we pay attention most intensely when we desperately need to, when our self-sufficiency is revealed to be the mirage that it is. I highly doubt that Simon would have been so welcoming to Jesus had the previous night's catch gone as he had hoped. It was the emptiness of Simon's boat that left so much room for Jesus to take his place in it. When we realize the limited range of our own voices, the limited success of our own endeavors, we pay attention. Failure makes for good listening. And lastly, so does patience. Our listening comes best in increments. Just as the people of Israel journeyed to the promised land in stages, so too the disciples in this story journeyed in piecemeal fashion to the kind of listening that led them to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Jesus didn't say right away, go deep. He said first, just put out a little bit from shore. It was only later then that he said, put out to the deep. Jesus seems to meet the disciples at each step in the way with the invitation that they need to hear. When Simon said, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, when the fish showed up on board, he was echoing the sound of prophets of old who would respond to visions of God's grandeur with exclamations of a sense of unworthiness in light of all of that awe. But Jesus did not meet that sense of unworthiness with a rebuke, but an assurance, saying, be not afraid. You, you, Simon, are going to be a fisher of people. And then when they came back to the shore, after they had been led just a little bit out, then deeper, and then assured of their call, they get back to shore, and Luke tells us that they left their nets, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. But we don't hear there is that Jesus asked them to do it, at least with words. The invitation that they seem to hear, they seem to hear in their hearts. To me, that is a sign that this listening is a process. It is a process of being led by stages to where our hearts are aligned with Christ's. So back to the beginning. All of this happened because the crowd was eager to listen to Jesus. So as the church, we are called to entrust ourselves to Christ's surprising, enabling, and patient voice. 
to attend to our listening and to respond incrementally, one step at a time, to what he invites us to be and do. It is amazing as a preacher and as a pastor to stand in this vantage point and look out and see each of you and the various vantage points of your lives. We have people returning home from Europe. We have people moving to Oregon. We have children whose mothers whose mother is in the hospital. We have a mother home from the hospital. We have friends that we are grieving. We have babies who are being born to us and marriages that are beginning and ending. We have lacrosse championships and exams and school plays, ordinations, installations. We are a crowd. We are a crowd united in our listening. There's much in this world, this week especially, and about this time that we could talk about today, but again, I want to hone in less on what we ought to say than on what there is to be heard. This is not a time for ten sermons, but for one, one voice. The voice of the one who says, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. The voice of the one saying, Let all who have ears to hear, listen. And the voice that says, be not afraid, for we will be fishers of people. Amen.